Let's not, let's not do a hello. Okay. Let's just start. I don't know how that works, but go. I'll follow you. Okay, I'll, I'll start. All right, just go ahead and ask a question. <laughs> I don't want to say hello to you anymore on these. We, we, it's like we're it's like stupid. We're just saying hello all day long. Oh. You well, have a question? Just I have a question. It. All right. It's question of the day. Hey, James, I have a question for you. <laughs> Is that better? You still didn't quite get the drift, I feel, but... You Try want, it again. You want it to sound like someone just came in the middle of a conversation. Pretend we're not like on a podcast. Like I'm saying, okay, ask your question. Just ask it. Hey, have James. No, no, you don't have to say, hey, James. <laughs> all right. And I Nathan would never keep, just ask Nathan you a question. Keep all this. I would never just ask you a question out of the blue. I'd always preface it with like a, hey, James, can I ask you a question? Yeah, but I'm telling you to ask me a question. I, I, I will. May I? Yes. All right. Hey, James, so let me ask you a question. <laughs> Go ahead. Is that okay? Yeah. I'm allowed now to ask a question? Yeah. This is actually via an email from someone named Thomas Siegel. Okay. And Thomas wrote to say, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and they often have me thinking that I need to improve in some way. That's a really good point, actually, that all these podcasts— I love how you interrupt the I, question. I, 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 I haven't even gotten to the question yet you've interrupted. <laughs> Interruption it. of the day. But it's, it's true. It's like all these podcasts out there, whether it's about— like, At least the ones that you and I know— because there are many, many other podcasts out there that aren't about, like... Okay, I would say that, in general, they fall under three categories. First of all, they're all entertainment, else they're no good. But even under that category, there's uh, funny, there's knowledge, like facts, and there's personal improvement. And we're sort of kind of... We're none the, of the above. <laughs> we're we're kind not of funny. Little, we're kind of a little no bit No information. Or, okay, we're attempting to be... We definitely don't make people better off. We're attempting to be... So, you know, three. the upside is we're our own category. We're our own category, yes. Mm-hmm. But I could see the guy's pain. Like, I, I would be sick of listening to this stuff Now, how do you know he's long? in pain? You didn't let me ask the whole question. All right, ask the question. Ask the question. Thomas Siegel, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and they often have me thinking that I need to improve in some way. I am not, however, in any sort of pain, he writes. Okay, he didn't write that. <laughs> but... Then I come back, to, <laughs> but then I come back to my senses, and I'm left asking, "What's wrong with just being okay or mediocre? Do people really need to keep trying to get better in so many ways all the time?" Just wondering what you guys would say to this. First off, let me ask you, Stephen, how do you define mediocre? Because that mediocrity—I don't know what that means. Does it mean not having a billion? Do- so for some people, it means not having a billion dollars. For other people, it I'm means, definitely mediocre. Then for for some people, it means winning the bronze medal at the Olympics instead of the gold medal. So wh- I'm not even mediocre. Then what? How do you do, just? What are some? What are some so, attributes of mediocre people? In I got to tell you, I I happen to have a particularly fierce connection to that word mediocre. So I I'm not a good person to ask. I have a I had an incident in my life. What was the incident? My first real job in New York, my first job in journalism in New York, I was at uh, New York Magazine, which was, back when I was there, it was, you know, it's gone through many phases. Back in the 60s when it was founded, it was the paragon of new journalism, had all these amazing writers, Tom Wolfe, Norman Mailer. Um, Didn't Norman Mailer, like, start it? He was among the crew. It started as, uh, if I have it right, it started as the Sunday supplement to the Herald Tribune. Mm. Clay Felker was this amazing editor. Anyway, this was all long before me. By the time I got there, it had gone through ebbs and flows, and now it was kind of uh, ebbing. And there was an editor named Ed Kosner, who was a very, very talented editor. He'd had a lot of big jobs in journalism, super smart, really good journalist, had a lot to teach everybody, etc. But 
the vibe of the place that was established really by him was not one where everybody was trying to do awesome work. And I remember he would, so I had this desk right near the front door, like the worst desk when I was the last one hired. I would always get there really early in the morning because I was just eager beaver and I'd stay till late at night. And he would see me coming in in the morning and he'd just kind of give me the hairy eyeball, see me on the way out. And on the way out, he'd say, yet another day scaling the heights of mediocrity at New York Magazine. And he said it. Was he addressing you or was it just in general, like about to everybody? That was just like his sign off. Tally ho, every day, here, another day under our belts, scaling the heights of mediocrity. And he was said to, it was said to be kind of funny and it just really made me sad. It made me sad to think that if you're going to do anything, you should not obviously settle for mediocrity or even worse, kind of acknowledge to yourself that mediocrity is kind of, you know, what you're doing or the best you can do. So I am anti-mediocre. But what does but it mean? What, what Define mediocre. What, is, what does I a define, mediocre person do? I What's define mediocre as being content without putting out even near maximum effort. Now that said, I'll I'm totally on Thomas's that. side here, but I think of it a little bit differently. Do you happen to know uh, the book The Paradox of Choice by Barry yes. Schwartz? Yes. So The Paradox of Choice I liked a lot. Uh, Barry Schwartz is now at Swarthmore. I think he was at Penn when he wrote it. He's uh, a psychologist. I believe he's a psychologist. I'm almost sure. And anyway, there, there's a lot in this book that I would recommend. Um, we could talk more about the concept of the paradox of choice, but one notion that really stuck with me was the notion of the satisficer Versus the maximizer. Do you remember that? No, I'm not. not Maybe not up to that yet. So the satisficer is the kind of person who basically tries to get satisfied with their choices, whatever your choices may be. Maybe in a relationship, maybe with work, oh, maybe this with is shopping. Go- this is good enough versus perfection, right? Exactly, okay. yeah. And the maximizer is someone like, unless I'm going to get the best blank or unless I'm going to get the optimal experience, then I'm just going to keep going. And that can be... You know, if you're if you're a fan of um, Steve Jobs and Apple products, you could say, "Hey, I'm glad there was a maximizer out there doing this, so he could produce stuff that we think is really awesome." But if you're working with a person like that or married to a person like that, it can be very tough to be around them. Steven and I have this one under control, but I'm going to grab our QOD Magic Eight Ball just in case. We'll be right back. Today's show is sponsored by Howl.fm, which by now you know is an awesome comedy network likened to being the Netflix for podcasts, brought to you by the same people that bring you all your favorite Earwolf shows, including this one, Question of the Day. With Howl Premium, you get exclusive access to a brand new Howl original miniseries called Dead Presidents. In this new show, Daniel O'Brien from Crack.com sets out to solve one of the greatest mysteries of our time figuring out why certain American presidents appear on our cash. From the humble first president George Washington on the $1 bill to the controversial Andrew Jackson on the 20 for now, the stories behind the presidents on your money are way more surprising and way crazier than your high school history teacher ever could have imagined. With Howell Premium, you also get exclusive access to more than 120 hours of new Howell original miniseries and audio documentaries like The Complete Woman, Finding the Funny with the Sklar Brothers, and Fruit. You also gain access to more than 90 comedy albums, all the archives from WTF with Mark Maron, and every episode of every Earwolf show, such as Comedy Bang Bang and How Did This Get Made. Get access to all this exclusive content on your iPhone, your Android phone, and on the web for only $4.99 a month. And with the promo code QOD, as in question of the day, 
you get a full month of free trial. To redeem your promo code, make sure you create your account on the web at howl.fm and enter code QOD at checkout. That's howl, H-O-W-L dot F-M. Use the promo code QOD for a one-month free trial of Howl Premium. So here's something from the Wall Street Journal, uh, a piece about where Barry Schwartz is talking about. Maximizers are people who want the very best. Satisficers are people who want good enough. And he's developed a 13-level test to assess a person's decision-making orientation. So if anybody wants this, you could look up Barry Schwartz, S-C-H-W-A-R-T-Z, maximizer test. So James, I'll give you a couple here. No matter how satisfied I am with my job, it's only right for me to be on the lookout for better opportunities. Where do you uh, put yourself? Let's say a scale of one to seven is the scale he uses. Well, I one think, would be strongly disagree. Seven, strongly agree. I, I think seven, but that has nothing to do with being a maximizer. Why? You owe it to yourself and your family. That that might be an old school way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Like when, when jobs were a little safer and people stayed at the same job forever and you could kind of map out your life a little more easily. But now... You know, incomes tend to go down versus inflation. Job stability doesn't exist, really. So the job marketplace is just that. It's a market. Particularly if you have a family and responsibilities, you sort of owe it to yourself and the people around you to constantly find out what your value is on the market. Doesn't mean you're dissatisfied with your choice. It just means that you have as much information as possible about what your value is. Fair enough. Here's an interesting question from the Barry Schwartz Maximizer Satisficer Scale. I'm a big fan of lists that attempt to rank things, the best movies, singers, athletes, novels, etc. One would be strongly disagree, seven would be strongly agree. Are you a big fan? Probably five because I don't mind curation of uh, the novels I'm looking at. So I'll look, if I'm looking for, let's say, uh, a science fiction novel, I'll go to Amazon's mm-hmm, top science mm-hmm, fiction novels okay. list and probably okay. pick from All there. Right. Here's one. I often fantasize about living in ways that are quite different from my actual life. Strongly agree or disagree? Probably a five. Mm. You know, not, so, you're, so sometimes I like to settle down, yeah. but most of the time I like to, in my own life, experiment All a right, little so bit. So it sounds like you're heading closer to maximizer than satisficer. Would you say that fits your self-assessment? No, because <laughs> I, I'm going to get back to your original definition of mediocre, where the very first word you said, and this is my answer to, to this whole thing, the very first word you said was content without putting in maximum effort. And so... A, I think it's a great thing to be content without putting any effort in. <laughs> that sounds, what could possibly be wrong with that, Stephen? I'm asking you. Like, let's That's say a I'm great question. No, say no, I'm when you content. say it like that, you I'm almost... content, I'm not putting in any effort. I'm just going to hang out and be with my friends and watch TV and be with my family. I'm content. So, first of all, I'm very happy that we actually disagree. Uh-huh. Because we d- agree about a lot of things. I don't know if that's because we think alike or we spend a lot of time together or maybe we're just both so polite. I think, oh, maybe the politeness. I think we've been disagreeing on. I don't on, think we're polite at all. After how many episodes of Question of the Day have we hundred, had, Nathan? Hundred some. Hundred some, according to Nathan. I think we disagree on a lot of those. When you phrase it like that, like, what's wrong with being content with da-da-da? I can't disagree with you. Except, I know for me, I'm just not wired that way. Let me. So you'll be this. unhappy being content. I don't understand. It's almost like a content uh, an without. No, content with the without the rest of it. Content without putting out what seems to be you know pretty in, pretty intense effort. Yeah. Why should I have to? So I think there's this myth of pay. Are you talking about the myth of paying your dues in order to be content? No. no. Okay. So two things. One is, I am actually. I consider myself more of a satisficer. I really do. I don't consider myself a maximizer at all. But it varies from realm to realm. If we're talking about like 
picking something like a restaurant or an article of clothing. Like, I just don't care that but much. But let's look at the questions you asked. Like, do I prefer a list of rankings? To me, I'm content just letting someone else choose for me what the best See, novel is. See, I would answer is. that question the other way around because if the question is... Like, I don't want to have to, like, pick from a thousand novels. I'll take the top five best-selling ones on Amazon. Well, I have to say, now that I look at the question, it's written in such a way that it can be interpreted in at least two ways. I'm a big fan of lists that attempt to rank things because when I think about that, I think about being asked to create such a list, and I hate that. But I also don't like talking about Like, to me... Sometimes someone, like my wife and I, we get into this discussion, like, I know music better than her, but she likes music a lot. But she'll often say to me, like, is so-and-so, like, talented? Like, are they one of the greatest, whatever? And I say, I I don't know how to, like, have that conversation. Like, I think with music, here's the thing. She's content outsourcing her (laughs) her decision-making on this to you. That's true. So I think you are happy because you're an expert in something, She's happy because she has an But expert. I never answered the question. Then that stresses her out, probably. Maybe so. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe I should just say, you know what, sweetie? The Beatles really are better than the Rolling Stones, which you, is you, patently you actually, not true. You actually played the reverse, I happen to know. Yeah, that is one where I do have pretty strong feeling. I, I have nothing against the Beatles. I just think that, I have nothing against the Rolling Stones. Yeah. But let me say, so I tend to be a satisficer in personal matters, but in professional matters, I tend to be a little bit more of a maximizer. And that's where I get back to content without putting out significant, if not maximum, effort. Because, and I'll tell you why, it feels better for me at the end. Even if you do, even if you produce work that's not very good, even if you fail, I get a huge amount of satisfaction by making an effort to attempt to reach for something. So if I go out and play golf, you know, golf is one of these things that you're supposed to do for fun, but it's the kind of challenge that I just really love. It is fun, but I also really, really, really like trying to be better. If I go out and mentally and physically and strategically and emotionally try really hard and have a and shoot a bad score, I'm still going to feel okay about that day as opposed to just kind of hanging out, boozing it up and making a few good shots or lucky shots. And that's I'm not saying that's a good thing, but I'm saying that's the way I'm wired. Okay. But that is a little bit different also. So for instance, golf is something you're putting time and energy and effort into, which you enjoy doing. You're content doing it. You're feeling well-being doing that. So, you know, you would ultimately like to see the best possible results, but you also enjoy the process. But let's say you went bowling and you rolled a totally bad score. Uh, You'd probably be content with that also because you're not putting, you know... No, I wouldn't because I took bowling as PE in college. okay, okay. (laughs) All right, all right. I didn't know bowling was a class. So I have a, I no, have no a, yeah. wonder, no wonder. I, I people ask me why you not believe in college because a required <laughs> class for you was bowling. You know, that's so the single end, best argument discuss- you've ever made against college. End of discussion. So uh, again, though, uh, but see, I have complicated feelings about that because I did take it as a PE, and, and yet I'm still a bad bowler. And so when I bowl poorly, I think, wow, how can I be such a bad bowler having studied it? Okay, so I don't know. Archery, <laughs> like mm. if if you love archery, if you kind of took a bow and arrow and missed the target every time, you would just laugh and say, "Okay, I haven't put in the maximum I would effort, not. I but would I am say, content at how I did." I would say, "Thank God I was born in this millennium and not in a few, in a past right. one, because I'd be dead if I right. was such a bad archer." But would you feel like compelled to become a better archer? Yes, I would. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just arguing that mediocrity is this kind of no-no word. But I think much more important is to focus on 
being content without putting out maximum effort. And I'll tell you, even in business, because you kind of addressed it in a business context, it's the whole purpose of the so-called 80-20 rule, which is that roughly 20% of your effort produces 80% of your final results. And that kind of implies you don't want to put in maximum effort. You're not going to have the maximum result, but with the other 80, if you find out what's your right 20% or close to it, you're going to have a lot more time in your hands to be content or explore other interests and, and so on. So I think a goal really is to be kind of content, Content, if that's how you're defining mediocrity. So then I, I would rather be mediocre. I, I disagree kind of theoretically with you, but I totally agree with you in spirit. And getting back to Thomas Siegel's question of the day, what's wrong with just being okay or mediocre in a few things? Do people really need to keep trying to get better in so many ways all the time? So really, honestly, I th- I'm totally on his side and really on your side because I think it is a little bit overwhelming to live in an era of so much information, especially so much information directed at ways in which you, the individual, should be better. You should have a better diet, better nutrition, better exercise, better intellect, better productivity. And and no one really knows. Like, you you look at, like, um, you know, let's say you're looking at people who have high quality of life into their hundreds. Okay, so Dan Buettner at National Geographic examined this with his book, uh, The Blue Zones. And he essentially kind of concludes that every sort of blue zone, which is an area of the world where people live to be over 100, take diet as an example. I bet they bowl a lot in those places. Probably. But diet, there's every major macronutrient is the, the primary food of one of those regions. So whether it's meat or vegetables or fruits, or whatever. Candy? Uh, Not candy, but uh, uh, it doesn't really seem, like diet doesn't really seem to be a huge factor in living to 100, or at least having a very specific regimented diet. Uh, I mean, maybe not over, overeating is probably consistent across all, you know, don't overeat, but... uh, Well, you know, I think you and I have both talked to Charles Duhigg about his book, Smarter, Better, Faster, and Charles, one thing that he identifies in that book is the need for what he calls stretch goals and smart goals. Smart goals, which were developed, I believe, from General Electric as a kind of internal mm. you know, system for making doable goals. And really, stretch goals and smart goals are just kind of big, long-term and short-term goals. But I think the one, one reason that that kind of thinking is valuable is because it forces you to prioritize if you get it down. So I empathize here with Thomas Siegel because, like, yeah, if you subscribe to five or ten podcasts— of a certain ilk, you're bound to get hit with, here's a way to become more blank, more productive work. Here's a way to become more energetic as you age. Here's a way to become more spiritual or mindful, da-da-da. And there's no way that any one person can spend the amount of time on each of those to get a lot better at any of those. Right, because look at just the sheer math of it, like what you just were saying, just building on that. Let's say you listen to five podcasts, and let's say they only have one episode a week. So that's 250 kind of how-to improvement tips you're going to get per year. Yeah, Yeah. when really, if you want to kind of focus on being more content than you are today, and I I do think being content probably has some element of persistent improvement, even if it's very, very tiny. You might not need more than one tip a year. Uh, You know, so to that end, you'd have to say that question of the day performs a great public service because we don't help anybody get better at anything and we're not putting any pressure on them and we're allowing people to be content in their and our mediocrity. And to summarize, we're completely useless and mediocre. Here's what I want you to do. Listen to the clip from the next question of the day. Then I'm begging you, if you like question of the day, 
subscribe, and leave us a review so we know to keep doing these. Next time on Question of the Day. So, Stephen, I'm really excited. Our good friend AJ Jacobs is right here in the studio with us. AJ, uh, how's it going? It is going well. And AJ's a four times New York Times bestseller, five times, some amount of times. Yeah, four so far. I just want to say thanks for joining us on the for the next couple of shows. Well, thanks for having me. Question of the Day is produced and mixed by Nathan Rossborough with Allison Hockenberry. 